Metu Netur, Volume 2, Anuk Ausar, The Kemetic Initiation System, Chapter 2, The Kemetic Knowledge of God, beginning on page 32. The Two Fundamental Divisions of Reality. I have designated this undefined expanse of energy matter, the subjective realm. It is diametrically the opposite of the world, which is a defined expanse of energy and matter. As things are divine states of energy and matter, this latter state of the world I have designated as the objective realm. We can conclude that all this is that is real falls into one of two major divisions, the subjective and the objective realms. Creation is a process in which a portion of the undifferentiated energy matter of the subject realm is transformed, shaped, delimited, differentiated into the myriad of objects manifesting in and as the world. It can be illustrated as follows. Netter on the right, differentiated energy matter on the left undifferentiated energy matter on the left no things on the right things and objects water and at other times mud or clay was chosen as a metaphor for the underlying substance of the world because of its ability to be shaped into any conceivable form as well as the fact that all living things have their origin and technically speaking their existence in water the shaper of the material basis of the world. But what caused a portion of this energy matter to be transformed from its inert, undifferentiated state into the myriad objects of the world? Since by its own qualities, new, the symbol of the undifferentiated energy matter is inert or inactive, it cannot be the cause of its transformation. This is the sphere of activity of consciousness and will, which is not possessed by energy matter, but who or what is that possesses consciousness and the ability to will, yet does not exist. The difficulty in expressing this idea resides only in the fact that in the Western thinking, the terms being and consciousness are conceived as effects of physical matter. This is due to the fact that the Western thought lacks insight into the two fundamental divisions of reality the subjective and objective realm, it cannot conceive of a state of consciousness and being that are independent of, let alone prior to objects. It cannot even form a consensus around the reality of an intelligence responsible for the creation of the world. Scientists dare not begin, be, dare not go behind the big bang of the big bang theory. They avoid asking what created the energy matter in order and went into this stupendous explosion. The Kamau had no idea, no problem understanding that consciousness, will, and intelligence proceed and are independent of things. The inner infinite expanse of energy matter of the subject realm is penetrated by a bodyless being possessing consciousness, will, and intelligence. I have adopted the form of consciousness, will, because consciousness and will 
are the opposite of complementary polarities of the same reality. The name given to this disembodied consciousness was Atem. Since being, capital B-E-I-N-G, and its consciousness, will, and intelligence are immaterial, they cannot be reduced, divided, or multiplied. This is the source of the Greek idea in the term for the unit of matter, the atom. In the Canaanite tradition, it is called Ain. Given the fact that there are no equivalent terms in Western languages, Jewish scholars translated it as negative existence. The Kamau used the term Tem in everyday speech to express negation, no, not, none, nothing, without, etc. To speak of the unspeakable, the Kometan sages transform the common noun nothing into the proper noun nothing. If we keep in mind that things are defined, differentiated states of energy matter, then the assertion that there are no things does not negate the fact that there is some reality there, namely undifferentiated energy matter. Neither does it negate the fact that there is no consciousness and ability to will, as these are immaterial factors. So what is consciousness, conscious of when there are no things to be conscious of itself consciousness since that which is conscious cannot be perceived itself it can be said that it is hidden thus the comedic sages transformed this adjective of everyday common speech into a proper noun as it embodied an attribute of the supreme being capital b-e-i-n-g there is the so-called deity, Amen. If we approach the study of the comedic religion with reverence, love, and respect in place of the racist prejudice and biases brought to it by Western scholars, we can clearly see that its doctrines are the product of the work of countless philosophers who have each contributed their genius to the understanding of the least comprehensible subject in the world. Some schools were devoted to the study of the life force, attribute of God, while others to its hidden nature, another to its formless consciousness, and so on. Now we can understand that there are no contradictions in one school accepting the God of the other as the equally valid. Now we can see that there was no assimilation of the powers of one God by another except in the unkept minds of Egyptologists. The same can be said for the so-called syncretism of the gods. Atem Ra is simply the understanding that life is essentially void of things or life forms. It has no things. Amen Ra is simply the understanding that life cannot be perceived. It is hidden. Amen Ra means therefore hidden life. We must not forget that these are not gods, but attributes of the one and only God that have been elevated to the status of proper nouns to facilitate thinking, comprehension, and communication of an otherwise inexplicable and uncommunicatable subject. 
the cosmology of Ano. The oldest religious writings in the world are known as the pyramid texts. They involve the comedic beliefs concerning God and man. In their earliest forms, 3500 BC, the conception of God centered around its omniscience essence. Taken to its logical conclusion, we should do nothing. Taken to its logical conclusion, we should do nothing wrong. As God knows all, as seeing is the dominant faculty of sense perception in man. It was used as the representative of God's omniscience. Omniscience. This function of seeing was represented metaphorically by the falcon with an emphasis on its eye. In most cases, the eye of the falcon was depicted by itself. The thinking behind this selection was a simple one. Hawks have a very keen sight and fly very high. Thus, of all animals known to the Kamal, they were able to take in the most through their sight. We will see in the second part of this book how powerful an effect that the belief that God is watching every thought, feeling, and actions can we have on the spirit, spiritual development of the individual. One could not claim to believe in and to honor and respect God, yet at the same time do wrong in its presence. This metamorphization of God was not extended into a cosmological scheme for the reason that it did not readily lend itself to be treated as an extended metaphor that could account for the other attributes of God. It was therefore dropped as a symbol of the Supreme Being and absorbed into other aspects. The comedic spiritual philosophy, as we will see later, while many elements of the religion of the Kemet had been taken from the prehistoric times, it was not until the fifth dynasty around 2500 BC that we see this first comprehensive theological works. They are inscribed on the walls of the pyramids of the kings, queens, mothers of the old kingdom, and then the tombs of wealthy individuals in latter times. The priests of the city of Anu focused on the formless of consciousness as their chief representative of God's being. It dwells in the undifferentiated energy matter, which was limitless and dark before the first time when nothing yet existed. It should be noted that the metamorphization of the material energy basis of the world is as new, was accepted by all other philosophical schools in commit. What set them apart is their characterization of the consciousness, will, intelligence aspect of the Supreme Being. It was the priests of Anu who formulated the representation of the Supreme Being by the transformed objective Tem into the proper noun Atem, the cosmology of Kuman. The priests of the city of Kuman during the Middle Kingdom around 2050 BC focused on sound. As the prime mover of the inert energy matter, the knowledge that became objectified as the things of the world subsisted in a formless state in the subjective realm. It was metamorphosized as an egg. This was part of an extended metaphor that represented the will of God as a goose 
whose crackling and crying set the insert waters of new into motion. The set of the activity that characterizes the objective plane, this theme of creation through the word was later to be repeated in the Hebraic, Hebraic cosmogony where the God speaks the word into existence and God said, let there be. We find it again in the Christian doctrine. Thousands of years later, St. John states in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. As useful as this metaphor is in helping us understand the creative attributes of the word of God, it is lacking a philosophical acumen. It stated nothing of the main attributes of God's subjective being. It's in undifferentiated, inactive, and immaterial aspects. Because of this, it lost favor with the theologians and was re-regulated to a minor position among its conceptualizations of the subjective attributes of God. However, the priest of Kamun did make a very important contribution to the understanding of the subjective realm and their doctrine of the eight essential attributes of the subjective realm. It states that for energy matter, new, to assume any form or event conceivable, it must be undifferentiated or formless, hence limitless in expanse and duration. The attribute of new was called hey who. This is the term etymologically related to hey, meaning eternal. Hey, who therefore establishes that new energy matter was always been the energy aspect of new must be inert or at rest or passive since the active mode of energy is responsible for the differentiation of matter into forms. It was indicated by the term cur. It finally states that new is in a state of complete darkness. This last attribute needs clarification. Since light involves activity that takes place through time, there can be no light in the subjective. A student of physics would have noticed that Kekui is contained in Ker and would therefore seem redundant. Its mention gains importance from the fact that the Kemetic Sage's description of the subjective realm is not merely for the sake of explaining creation. It is, as well as description, the state of one's energy and consciousness in the highest levels of meditation. To this state, the absolute darkness corresponds to the total blackness, silence, and obliteration of sense, perception, thinking, and feeling that envelopes consciousness, leaving it conscious only of itself. While it is clear that these are attributes, Egyptologists have totally thrown away the insight into life providing by these concepts by insisting in calling them primal gods. Primal, primal, primal gods. We will later see that this also corresponds to the state of the spirit of man when he, she attains through meditation. It is the highest level of consciousness and spiritual development. Since it is also a description of the spiritual state needed for intuition to manifest itself, it was later taken over by the priests of Tehuti as a major aspect of their shrine. 
These four principles were metamorphosized as four male and four female entities and thus came to be known as the eight primal attributes, deities. This presentation as bipolar male-female contemporary attributes emphasized that as creative preconditions, they had creative potential at the same time that they were absolutely inert, i.e. in the same manner that the physical matter and its complement antimatter combine to generate energy, so do the four complementary pairs of the fundamental factors described in the eight attributes of the subjective realm. As a result of the combining of four parts, the undifferentiated energy matter passes from its subjective state to differentiated objective matter nut and kinetic energy raw viewed from the perspective of meditation it is the great increase in energy and vitality experience when consciousness is returned from the highest level of being the cosmology of thebes during the new kingdom starting around 1580 bc the priests of thebes developed the cosmogony of Amen Ra. It was more of an effort at synthesis than the prog- promulgation of a new cosmogony in the hymn to the Amen Ra. Chapter 300, Amen Ra and Ptah are positioned as the three most important attributes of God. It states that his name is hidden as Amen. He is Ra in the face and his creative qualities is Ptah. Amen corresponds to the formless, undefined, unlimited, hence imperceptible aspect of God. Ra symbolizes the manifested life force operating through the sun, and Ptah is the omniscience and omnipresence fused into one as Sia and the tongue that speaks the world into existence. We must note that the infinite complexity yet perfect order of the world and the infinite number of things and types are evidences that the world is the product of an all-knowing and all-powerful being. Although we cannot see it, we know of its being by the evident intelligence and power underlying the world. This is the crux of the message of the Teban cosmology. We must also note that in the preceding chapter, it was made clear that Amen, Ra, and Ptah are aspects of the one and the same entity. This is one of the clearest proofs that Kemetic religion is not polytheistic. The cosmology of Man-Nefer since the act of creating is a differentiation in the undifferentiated energy matter, the priests of Men Nefer, seven twelve through six ninety eight BC, liken the process to the fashioning of crafts that comprised the dominant occupation of their city. As a fashioner, the supreme being called Ptah. The cosmogony focuses essentially on the consciousness, omniscience, and will of God. We must appreciate the choice of hue, tongue, as opposed to the word. The comedic sages were very keen on the fact that at this stage, 
of reality, there is an absolute science. As the word is the creative agent, what we have here is the potential to utter the word. The difference between the treatment of Ptah here and in the Taban cosmology is that while in the Mephite, Ptah represents the supreme being itself in the Taban, it is one of the three fundamental attributes of the supreme being. We must take note of the fact that in the claiming of Ptah created Atom, the priests of Ptah went a little overboard as the immaterial consciousness is by nature uncreated and eternal. The cosmogony suffered from other flaws of classification. Since fashioning is not an attribute of God's being at the subjective realm, the priests of Ptah attempted to remedy this flaw by combining the concept with the eight essential aspects of the subject matter as developed by the cosmologists of Kamun. This led to a set of fortuitous compounds in Ptah Nu, meaning fashioner of unfashioned matter, Ptah Kui, meaning fashioner of the absolute darkness, and so on, all of which did not add to the understanding of the subjective attributes of God. The mere fact that it is introduced as an active function, functioning in the realm of inactivity, it was rejected as a major representative of the subjective nature of God. We must also note that the use of Seiya and who, Sia and who to represent the consciousness understanding and the will of God was already in vogue several thousands years earlier with the priests of On. Summary. From the foregoing, it is clear that at Atem, Amen, Ptah, Nu, Hu, Kekui, etc. are not gods, but attributes of one God, Netter. It is obvious that the Egyptologists whose writings are the major sources of the popular notions of the comedic belief in God were lacking in the appropriate skills in philology, logic, conceptual thinking, theology, philosophies, physics, and linguistics needed to understand the subject. Anyone who is skilled in theology, philosophy, and linguistic science would know that God's nature cannot be summed up in one adjective or noun. Name which are intrinsically labels or creative agents of things cannot truly apply to God who is not a thing. No true theologian or philosopher or thinker would therefore put forward a true or only name for God. Yet the Kometan theologians never ceased in their efforts to find the most suitable name for conceptualizing God. To understand this, we must distinguish between Factual nouns and conceptual nouns. Factual nouns are the names of describable realities, concrete things, while conceptual nouns are names representing one's idea of some reality. If you ask for a definition of the word tree, a description in the common features of the denoted objects would suffice, and we would all be in agreement. If you ask for a definition of the word freedom, there is nothing that we could describe. What you would receive is a number of mental conceptions from various persons. This is why four major Kometan theolo theological schools spent over 3,000 years in the study of the nature of the essence of God and for a noun that would be best indicated its attributes. 
Not finding one, they settled for the certain combinations. It was important to them that in their references to God, the name used should always call to mind, as much as possible, the essential nature of God. Its importance will be seen in future chapters. There it will be seen that as man is in the likeness of God, God's essential nature is the most important key to a man's life on earth. In comparison to the same time and space devoted by the comedic philosophers to explain the essential nature of God, i.e. the state before creation began, the Hebraic theologians have absolutely nothing to say. Genesis 1-1 starts right off with the creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earths and continues with a purely materialistic description of the creation of the things of the world. The same can be said for the other great nations of antiquity, Summer, Babylon, Greece, Rome, etc., as well as all the philosophers and theologians of the Western world. Their references to the subjective and essential state of God is either superficial or distorted. The Arabic cosmologists mistakenly refer to the principle of formlessness as an attribute of the earth after it was created. They could not conceive of a purely formless realm. Ovid, who of the Roman writers has provided the major classical influence on Western thinkers, could not understand chaos as the undifferentiated state of energy and matter, so he changed it to mean a state of confused things. The comedic model of philo philosophical presentation. There's an illustration with three boxes and three arrows going to the right in between the boxes. The first box reads factual nouns or adjectives to conceptual nouns to personification or metamorphization. Since the subjective matter, the essence of God, is by its very true nature opposed to the process of naming and describing, the comedic philosophers transform common factual nouns and objectives into proper but conceptual forms, conceptual nouns. These were, in addition, personified so that they could be woven into narratives. Any good writer or lecturer knows that stories are better than expositions at explaining the behavior of things as the relationship of parts to each other and to the whole are better maintained by the mind. These narratives are the so-called myths. The characters, gods, are not creations of man in his own likeness, but the concrete and manipulation of essentially abstract or unnameable realities that we must comprehend if we are to know God and ourselves. Last but not least, we must take note of the fact that Egyptologists have not been able to find a single object in the world and the hieroglyph representing Netur refers to. I hate to comment on this, but out of fear that some of you may miss the far-reaching meaning I must resist the impulse since God cannot be represented by my name by a name which we normally think in verbal forms the same is true in pictorial writing and here ends the reading on page 42